This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, located in caverns deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 645 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. I'm known as head number one around here, but my name, it's Matt Baum. And I'm head number two, but you probably know me better as the internet's Joe Patrick, and my wife said I have Rick Springfield hair today. You kind of do. I couldn't help Which but notice. Which you can't really tell because I'm wearing my headphones, but I haven't gotten a haircut in like three months. Oh, wow. Uh, and so I'm I'm way overdue. Today on the show, we're back to reviewing new comics from the last two new comic Wednesdays, November 24th, and today, December 1st. After that, we'll hit you with our must-read picks for next week, and then we'll give you a taste of our Patreon Extra, where it's time again for the THN Take a Look at Santa Book Club, where we're meeting with two of our buddies to review Kieran Gillen's Eternals, volume number one. It's all happening in this welcome to december hope you survived the experience taglined episode and it starts with review time in the ziggurat as usual our new comic reviews start with a couple of books from last week before jumping to this week matt the holidays are here and our pile this week is full of Four joyful mobs, three Hulk rockets, two Girl Scouts, and the end of the fear of future state. Matt, why don't you get this uh, multi-denominational and somehow also secular holiday party rolling? It's every Republican's nightmare, and it starts with Black Panther, number one, which is also kind of their nightmare. From Marvel, it's $4.99. Here's your creative team. It's written by John Ridley with art by Juan Cabal. And here is your solicit. New creative team, new direction. The Long Shadow starts here. Academy Award winner John Ridley and Stormbreaker <laughs> artist Juan Cabal launch an all-new Black Panther series with an action-packed espionage story that will upend everything into Chala's life and have ramifications for the entire Marvel Universe. Secrets from T'Challa's past have come back to haunt him. Fresh from returning from his travels in space, Black Panther receives an unexpected and urgent message from a Wakandan secret agent. Now T'Challa must race the clock, not only to save his agent, but also keep his true agenda under wraps. Because if the truth comes out, it could cost T'Challa everything! Like they said, T'Challa is back from space, and his duties as a king of Wakanda have changed he's largely kind of a figurehead now sort of like uh the british royal family but yeah yeah also emperor of the entire galactic empire i assume that is different (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean the galactic empire is not on earth right on top of that he's once again the avengers chairman so needless to say he's a busy guy ridley is Excellent with the dialogue, showing T'Challa's frustration with the new government and bureaucracy he's never had to deal with as a king. The story is much more down to earth than Panther's recent galactic adventures, but sets up a fantastic problem of his own making, even when he had the best of intentions for his kingdom. There's a theme of distrust, not just of the West, but sort of of democracies as a whole, because they can be twisted by so many different people with different roles fighting for their own goals, whereas a king 
acts alone. And that's never gone wrong, right? It's always been a good thing. Yeah. Sometimes that just happens to bite them in the panther butt, though. Juan Cabal puts on a clinic with his thin line, but not overly detailed art. For an issue that is mainly talking heads and setup, he captures distinct emotions with his characters and even gets a chance to give us some pretty cool Avengers action. The team is bringing the Black Panther back down to Earth to deal with what could be seen as an international threat if he can't clean up his own mess, and it's going to take a much lighter hand than the king in costume this looks like we're gonna get straight up black panther in disguise espionage and i am into it I'm yeah like matches malone <laughs> don't say that <laughs> give me this a buy it i love matches malone I, I don't know why that's i hate matches Malone. <laughs> that's so stupid when you just said you were excited for it here it's the exact same thing no, because he's not like assuming a new identity where it's all set up like this background and he runs a criminal empire that there's no way he has time to run he's not matches <laughs> malone is not running a criminal empire he's like some schlo- he's like turk from daredevil he's oh, just like please. some guy <laughs> Who's yeah, anyway, uh, we ain't got time for this debate. Uh, yeah, no, I thought this was great. I, I had not been reading Black Panther. Uh, I just, I, the Black Panther, uh, Todd Nahisi Coates' Black Panther was the sort of book that, like, you have to be there from the start. And Man. because I got behind almost immediately, I never got around to like catching up and it, I need to. It was friggin' great. I love Oh, I know. It. Yeah, I know. For all the issues I read, I loved. I just, I just couldn't keep up. And uh, I need to go back and read it now that it's complete. I'm pretty sure uh, it's a big same, sexy same thing with his Captain America. Like, I just, like, oh. I didn't feel comfortable just jumping in with it. Also great. I thought this was fantastic. And uh, it's nice to see Black Panther on Earth kind of interacting with other heroes. Yeah. I, I like that he's in Wakanda, but he's not just like, a, he's not a passive king. You know, he's. He's uh, I, I like the new dynamic, like they're trying to set up a, a republic uh, is what they say, uh, which must have been something established in the previous volume. Well, while he uh, was gone, they were like, we don't have a king. Shuri yeah. doesn't think it's right to have a king. And so they sort of set up this like it, it's more like a parliamentary sort of democracy, sort of almost exactly like the U.K. And, well, yeah. And I think that's really compelling. I I, th- I think it's a, an interesting um change uh for not only black panther as a character but as a concept and and wakanda as a concept and i i thought this was great i love juan cabal this is a buy it warning this next review might not be appropriate for for all audiences It's Joy Operations, number one. It sounds so dirty. (laughs) uh, And it's from Dark Horse, not Image. That's a typo uh, that I made. Sorry about that. Uh, To absolutely nobody (laughs) that's listening to this right now. Yeah, just Uh, say, do me a favor. Say, from Dark Horse, and I'll punch that in. Okay. From Dark Horse, or how about this? From From Dark Horse. It's $3.99. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Stephen Byrne. And here's your solicit. Brian Michael Bendis, the New York Times bestselling and multi-Eisner award winner, teams up with scorching hot comic sensation Stephen Byrne, uh, who, who you may remember from Wonder Twins and a Legion of Superheroes. Scorching? Of, really? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a nice thing to say about sure, him. Sure, sure. For their very first creator-owned blockbuster series, remember what I'm about to say because it's important. 55 years from now, Joy is an envoy, a special agent of one of the Jonado Trust. Jonando, sorry. Jonando Trust. There you go. 
Trusts are corporate-owned cities that are the centerpiece of modern society. She writes wrongs for the trust. She is excellent, perfection, hard on herself, driven, almost legendary in some parts, until one day a voice pops up in her head, trying to get her to betray everything she has ever believed. All this, and also an exclusive look behind the scenes, yada, yada, yada. You sort of get that. It's just like more like, hey, I'm Bendis. This is what I write. Yeah, it's the stuff he's always been doing. Where they yeah, like, right. It's not even a gone. behind the scenes look. It's like, no. this is these are the names of the books that I do. Right. B.M. Bendis' Dark Horse debut is here with an overly simplistic and familiar evil politician threatens all humanity comic book plot disguised as a complex sci-fi thriller, mainly through the use of impenetrable futuristic jargon. We only get a couple of pages that even try to establish what's going on in this world. And even then we only get a hint of what's revealed in the solicit corporately owned city States. No, we don't get that. We don't, uh, there's nothing about that. Uh, the Jonando trust. We get that. Well, they Sorry. say it. I still don't quite know what it is. <laughs> right. I think it, right. No. Yes. I don't know what Janando is or means. Say it, it reminded me of Joe, like the Joe Taro, like people from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, which <laughs> like, oh, I think it's like, I think it's like Ham Taro. Yeah. I think it's more like Ham Taro. Yeah. Yeah. Than Joe. Uh, Taro. <laughs> right. The solicit also gives away the big twist about the voice in Joy's head. But Bendis still makes the reader think we're seeing her own internal monologue for most of the issue. If you had not read the solicit, which I hadn't in over a week, uh, you would not realize until way later that she's not just talking to herself. And 55 years from now, I do not think so. <laughs> not unless humanity gets its shit together real quick. <laughs> Stephen Burns' stellar art does nearly all of the heavy lifting here. His futuristic cityscapes, page layouts, and character designs are incredible. Scorching hot, you might say. And his action scenes are very exciting and dynamic. It's a treat seeing his work in a more traditional action title after more lighthearted books like Wonder Twins. Uh, he's very capable, and he is uh, great in this uh, sort of genre. I loved it. All of the elements are here for joy operations to be a fun ride. But so far, aside from some truly exceptional art, the execution falled flat for me, falled. It fell flat for me. I'm giving it a skim it. Uh, I like, I'm not a Bendis hater. I'm not, I'm, I try not to be, I, but it's just like the, the, the older I get, the more I realize the ticks in his writing and how the art covers up a lot of the sins. No, I'm with and you. And he did not set up this book at all. No, I'm with you 100% here. This isn't, you're not Bendis hating at all. And quite honestly, I didn't read the solicit either. I knew you were reading this. I knew I was interested in it. I thought it was about a company that makes lube for adults, but apparently it's a whole different thing. And <laughs> Yeah, I just it happened really fast. There was a lot of dialogue, but I feel like I didn't learn enough. The art was very pretty and you really had to read the solicit to even know what was going on, which is not how it should be. No, unless because the average comic buying public does not have access or they don't seek out yeah, the solicits. We're the only yeah. jerks that read this shit to them, probably. Right. And quite honestly, this may have been written for a trade at some point and they broke it up into issues and this might be the solicit for the collected trade or something. You know what it I mean? Maybe, yeah. That could be. I, I, so, I would be like, I wouldn't be surprised if they did use the exact same solicit for the trade. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all if Dark Horse said, let's break it up first and put it out that way. When you look at a book like 
Greg Rucka's Lazarus, for example, which is also a near future sort of dystopic type thing. Although I feel like Lazarus might take place further in the future and it's not as wackadoo as this. But anyway, <laughs> 55, 55 yeah. years that almost broke well, me. This is like, sort of like when they would be like in the year 2001, the world has ended, you know, like whatever you say, man. But uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like Rucka does a much better job of sort of setting up the world gently. And this was just more like, hey, man, you're in, you're in for the ride. Here we go. And it was fine. Like there was nothing fundamentally wrong with the comic book other than when it was over. I still didn't know what was going on until I read the rules. And right. that's a problem with storytelling. I'm giving this a skim it as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that is a fundamental problem with the comic book. Yes. The, <laughs> the art was exceptional. I'll say yes. that. No, but, but what I'm saying is, I guess there are stories you can tell like this. Definitely. Uh, yeah. But I mean, yes, but I, yes, you're right. Like if it's a spy thriller that's happening on earth at a regular time where I have touchstones. Right. Like, oh, I, I, Obviously, they're in France. Obviously, this is going on. He has that type of gun. That's different. But when you're in the future and there's all this like language that's just thrown in and jargon and technology, it's easy to get lost real fast. Right. And yeah, yes, exactly. Like it's a big ask to expect a reader to wait. Yeah. Until they understand not just like the setup, but also the terminology right like it's fine if i don't understand the politics of this world but i know what a car is yeah exactly yeah or a gun or a pocket knife so you can uh, but what i don't know is, what like i don't that. know is is whatever a gar- gar- gargamel is or whatever those blobby things are called right and you know and like just like when we discussed what's the furthest place from here that was a story where the characters also didn't know what was going right on. that's different right this that's a whole different thing knows yeah. what's going on but I yes. don't, and that's a problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Let's move to the more kitty section with Girl Scouts Stone Ghost number one from Image. It's three ninety nine. It's written and drawn by Jim Mafood. Here's your solicit: Superstar artist and comics making weirdo Jim Mafood returns to his creator owned Girl Scouts universe for a brand new six issue miniseries. Join Dio, Turtleneck Jones, and Jordy. I love the name Turtleneck Jones, by the way. As they, it's f- awesome. It's so good. As they face off against the sinister and unpredictable evil of the Teeth. Hilarious, over-the-top, psychedelic adventure will ensue, you guys, exclamation point, packed from cover to cover, no ads, with completely unique and eye-popping mafood art, including bonus comics and behind-the-scenes fun, plus an absolutely stunning variant cover from our good friend Peach Momoko, feel the funk! Who's good friend? Image is good friend? No. Like Jones is good friend? I think it's Mafood's good friend. I think he's buddy. Or it's like friend to all the animals, you know, like no, Heidi I, or I whatever. I think it's Mafood's good friend. This is definitely his writing. If you've ever listened to him, like on his podcast and stuff, this is exactly how he talks. So. Sure. If you don't know Jim Mafood's style, you may want to take a peek here before buying this comic because he is pure style. Imagine graffiti done with pen and ink by a hip-hop and LSD-fueled madman, and you might begin to get the idea. With that intro, you might be expecting me to apologize for hyper-stylistic nonsense, but Girl Scouts is quite the opposite. While Mafood's art is 
nuts. It's also consistent and well-structured in its storytelling. His scribbles and sometimes almost abstract coloring sets each scene and gives life to even the weirdest floating squid characters. All this, and there's even real heart to the story. I love Mafood's work, but admit this kind of heavy graffiti style is not going to appeal to many looking for flashy superhero art. But if you're looking for something completely different that goes well with an MF Doom soundtrack, you are going to love this. This is kind of the opposite of what we just read from Bendis. It was weird. It was in a future time. It was totally bizarre, but none of that mattered because the storytelling was so good that you just understood everything that was happening. So when there was a floating squid character that was like, please take care of my children. They really like cheesecake. And the bad guy was like, yeah, I looked into it already. And he's like, no, 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 no. You got to get the cracker crust just right. <laughs> the graham cracker crust. Right. They were like, yes, we get it. <laughs> like You felt some emotion for him. I'm giving this a huge buy it. It was fun. Yeah. You know, I, I love Jim Food. Uh, I have not read a Jim Food comic in years. In fact, I had not read a Girl Scouts. I don't know if I've ever read a Girl Scouts comic. Um, I didn't really even know that. To. This is brand new stuff. Oh, yeah. so. No, like, I mean, it didn't uh, like I didn't feel like I was being punished or anything. But like Girls, Girl Scouts has been around since we were working at the comic shop. Like, uh, yeah. so when you said 2017, like I had no idea he was still even making them. Every time I see Jim Mafood's art, I remember that the first time I ever saw him was when he drew Kevin Smith's very first. Uh, it may not. Was it his very first? Uh, it was it was at the very least. It was the very first adaptation of any Kevin Smith movie stuff where he did. He did, the uh, clerk's he did a comic book. He did a clerk's comic book. Right. Yeah. I am amazed at how far he's come because he was great even back then. Yeah. And now his art is like a graffiti fever dream. Uh, and uh, it's just so much fun to look at. Uh, this is a buy it for me. I thought this was charming and funny and really like interestingly interesting visually. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like Kevin cool. O'Neill on crack is what he reminds yes, me. It, yeah. Kevin, o, yeah. Kevin O'Neill. Like, those guys that are like super duper abstract, yeah. uh, you know, Simon Bisley or t uh, Sam Keith, you know, but like in a in a much more like street art kind of style. Right. He's also just a great storyteller. It, they're yeah. just fun, sort of like Quentin Tarantino meets the RZA kind of, you know. Just yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that clerk's kind of like he didn't write that clerk's comic, but that was 20 years ago. And the guy's yeah. been cranking out his own work for that entire time. So. Bust out your radiation suits and keep an eye on those Geiger counters because we're talking about Hulk number one from Marvel. It's $4.99, written by Donnie Cates, with art by Ryan Otley. Here's your solicit. Mad Scientist Part 1 of 6. The uncontrollable rage of the Hulk has reached an all-new level, and nobody, including the Avengers, is prepared to handle it. But is it really the Hulk that people should be afraid of, or is there something missing to this puzzle? Join the superstar creative team, blah, blah, blah. You know who they are. What can Marvel possibly do to follow up the immortal Hulk? <laughs> we asked ourselves that question for months as Al Ewing's epic headed to a conclusion. Even after Kate and Ali were announced as the new creative team, we wondered what could be as compelling and inventive as the body horror nightmare that completely changed the game. Well, Hulk number one is here, and I can honestly admit that I didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody did. 
No, <laughs> uh, I don't. Re- I don't really want to give away the new status quo. You, you're going to have a hard enough time of winning spoilers at this point already. It's a week late, or it's a bit. It's been out for a week. But Kate's and Notley's new approach to the character is truly unlike anything I've ever read in 40 years of Marvel fandom. At least where the Hulk is concerned. I'll agree with that. Kate's take on Banner is desperate, fed up, and ruthless all at once, making moves that scare even Earth's mightiest heroes. And Hulk, well, Hulk has a pretty damn good reason to be mad this time around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would argue Ooh. he's madder than I've seen him in a long time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, Ryan Otley was born to draw this book, and he's clearly having the time of his life bringing unbridled carnage to each page, except now the buckets of red from Invincible have been replaced with buckets of green. At first glance, it all might seem a bit ridiculous, and I get it, but keep an open mind and give in to the possibility that Bruce Banner is so much more than a mentally ill brute with anger issues. Hulk number one, if anything, if the immortal Hulk taught us anything, it's that. Hulk number one is the start of another wild journey with the Jade Giant. Huge buy it. It was awesome. Yeah, I kind of can't believe how seamlessly they picked this up with an idea this nuts, you know, like I, he had yeah. been talking to Al Ewing about it and, and saying like, here's kind of what I see happening. And you know, Al Ewing was just like, Oh my God, that's great. And, and that's the great, the great thing is that nothing Kate is doing uh, preclude like nothing, uh, nothing discounts or contradicts anything that Al Ewing did where Al Ewing left the Hulk, specifically Bruce Banner at the end of the immortal Hulk number 50 this can slide right in. Yeah, this and kind of unbelievably so. And you don't even and you also at the same time don't even need to have read that. No, truly. You could just jump on here and be like, oh, yeah, I know the story. And like, OK, that's what's going on here. Makes sense. I got like Donnie Cates. Goddamn. Like this is some slick shit. I, yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, and like, of course, and of course, it's like we got to squeeze in a Venom reference. Sure. You know, we, yeah. and so it's just like it, you know, Donny Cates, you, everybody like we used to make a lot of jokes about Hickman and wheels within wheels and shit. Donny Cates is driving his own car. Oh, yeah. He's driving his own car. It's got its own set of wheels. Yeah. And every like it, everything Donny Cates has done for Marvel at some point kind of links together. Well, and Donny Cates has a big old convoy rolling across the U.S. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like, it, it's not wheels within wheels. It's a series of semis yeah, and they're right. all painted crazy and they come into town sure. and put up a tent and you just watch what happens. Ryan Otley. I like oh, I just want to say congratulations to Ryan Otley. Like I feel like he's a nerd that you and I watched grow up and yes. watched his art style changed and watched him get better and better and better. Isn't and that now, so crazy? Oh that dude God. came on the scene, he drew one book. Yeah. What like I like it's possible Ryan Otley did some, some very small stuff before taking over Invincible. I don't know if he did. I've not read it. But that guy drew one book. Yeah. And he drew it for like a decade. And then it was like, and now congratulations. Yeah. You are a superstar. It's like that jazz musician that like practiced in his room for 12 hours a day by himself and never played with anybody. And finally someone's like, kid, you got to go play with this band. And they're like, where did this guy come from? (laughs) Right. right. He did one thing so well. Yeah. And now he's like one of Marvel's best artists. He's also living his best Marvel nerd life. And I'm so happy for for the guy and he's just gushing about it. And he's so excited. This was fan friggin' tastic. I'm giving it a huge buy. It's time to jump to this week, Joe, better known as today. But when they hear this, it'll be 
tomorrow. Don't think about it too hard. And don't think about this one too hard either, or you will <laughs> hurt yourself. This is Batman, Fear State, Omega from DC. It's $4.99. And let me tell you, another bugaboo of mine is when you don't number comics. A one shot is a one shot. I get it. But Omega and Alpha and all this crap, give me a goddamn break. <laughs> all right. <laughs> This is written by James Tinney in the Four with art by Ricardo Frederici, Christian Douche, Guillaume March, and Trevor Harrison. Here's your solicit. As Gotham's Fear State comes to a close, a new but to date- be fair, it does say Batman Fear State Omega number one. Yeah, which even worse. <laughs> As Gotham's Fear State comes to a close, a new day dawns on the city. One without Batman. But the Dark Knight's absence does not mean the city is without heroes. Join James Tinney in the floor and Ricardo Frederici and a bunch of other people as they bring Fear State into its conclusion and introduce a new status quo that will reverberate throughout the DCU for years to come. We'll talk about that too, but after catching up on the core Bat books that frame the Fear State event, I had hoped to better understand how or if it connected to future state at all. And the answer seems to be maybe <laughs> this issue definitely ties up all the loose threads from the future state, including the magistrate being removed from power. We even see like the ship and the baby and like pulled out by yeah. old timey cranes. So not everything was updated with technology, I guess. And the scarecrow captured and going as far as to mention, there was a second Batman running around during the chaos See my confused review of I Am Batman number one for more on that. While the single issues I read of each story were pretty good, the mismatch of the crossover we got ended up with this complete head scratcher of an issue that looked very pretty. Everybody that worked on this art wise did an incredible job. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's really, really beautiful. But this left me wondering what the hell I read. Was this future state if not why and if it was they sure cleaned up the crazy futuristic tech that was all over gotham real fast <laughs> this is tinny in the four's final issue of batman and i get he was trying to tap into a new readership that might be younger and not trust authoritarian figures like batman which is bullshit because i feel like Younger kids like Batman, too. But he did way too much on his way out the door. Or DC Editorial tried to make two events into one event that may or may not have actually happened. I feel like I could talk about this for a year. And I feel like we have talked about this for, for a sure. year. And you know what? We This is going to be a story that we discuss in cover to cover because we need to go deeper into what happened, when it happened, what the hell happened. I'm giving this a skim it and I'm giving this a skim it because not because it's like a bad comic book. The comic book is fine. It's mainly Batman and the Scarecrow in the Batmobile discussing where everything is now. And it sort of sets up, you know, the ghost maker and the clown. What was it? The clown bash clown hunter clown hunter characters. I really don't care about. And I'm sorry. But I know not going to be able to replace Batman in the pages of detective comics. So good luck with that. If that's the plan guys, right? Skim it. Yeah. I mean, everything you said is right. Uh, it, so regarding future state, I feel like we have spent a very long time 
wondering to ourselves and to our audience, uh, is, are we in the future state? Did we, have we moved into the future state? Is the future state a thing? Do you want to know how long? I can tell you how long. Do you want to know? Six well, months of our life, in, Joe. Six months. We've well, been but I mean, this. Future State was in February, wasn't it? No, or was it, was it in March? Summer. It was the summer event, and it went all the way to no, December. No, 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 no. Future State was a two-month event where all the books got taken over with Future State books. That was like in February and right. March. No, I'm, I'm so, saying, pardon me, Fear State yeah. started in the summer. <laughs> sure, but I mean, even so, like Future State, like the, the Future State stuff with the magistrate and uh, that, like that's 10 months. Yeah, so if we're it started in February. Almost a year. So, uh, yeah, but and the whole time we've been asking, like, how does this all connect? Is, is I Am Batman take, if I Am Batman takes place in the present day, which it must because they not only referenced him at the end of this book, but he also made an appearance at the end of the Alpha book. So hold on. Uh, I, I want to talk also about this. Also, in his own book, they said Batman had not been seen in six years. So I want to talk about this on cover to cover. Let's just focus on this All right. book. Uh, yes. Right uh, I, I have so much to say about the, the way we spent the last 10 months talking about this storyline. I'm going to save it um, for Saturday. As far as this comic is concerned, I have nothing more to say. Matt, Matt said it right. Like the individual moments are good. The art is great. Yeah. Uh, it is It is the very definition of a skimmit because at the end of it, I was just, it was like a one big old shrug. I was just like, okay. Yeah. I and guess next, I guess next, next week I can read Batman again. And too bad because for like it's, it's Joshua Williamson. Who we both like and did a great job in the Batman books. And like, this is your exit. Yeah. <laughs> but even even when he took over as main writer i was uh, i was iffy on it and like uh, all of this stuff all of this stuff where it everyone's got to leave their mark i get it you write batman it's the it's the biggest right. book it's the biggest book in the land i understand stop introducing new characters yes and we'll talk uh, we can talk about uh, that like, on cover to cover too but i mean that, but that's part of the problem right it's like i already have a dozen characters that i already care about I don't also need to worry about punchline, ghost maker, clown hunter, miracle Molly, who is somehow not punchline, and also the gardener. I think I may have said the gardener twice. Oh, and Miracle Molly's uh, whole transhumanist gang. Don't forget about them. Oh, yes, the right. Unsanity. The unsanity collective. Yeah. yeah, it's like no like I was having a hard enough time when they were trying to um, make me care about Duke and Harper Rowe. Right. Like Duke Thomas and Harper Rowe is like, oh, too much, too much. And now it's like a dozen new characters and I don't, I don't care about any of them. So yes, I'm, I'm glad that this era of Batman is over. I'm looking forward to the new creative team, even if it's temporary. Um, this particular comic, it's a wash. It's a wash for me. It, it is. That's just it. Holy headache. I hope you're ready to do some Marvel math because now we're talking about Avengers number 50 and also Avengers number 750 from Marvel Comics. That's right. They're the same book. I tried to minor in Marvel math. It didn't work out well. It was nobody. Bad. Yeah, nobody. Nobody passes Marvel math. It's, <laughs> it's like the Kobayashi Maru. It's built to fail. The price is $9.99. It is a beefy boy. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Ed McGinnis and Various. Here is your solicit. Commemorating legacy number 750. Supersize extravaganza, that is true, of Earth's mightiest action and surprises. Witness the jaw-dropping conclusion of World War She-Hulk, also true. Learn the true purpose of the prehistoric Avengers, 
True. Uncover the shocking secret of the Iron Inquisitor. Yes. Behold the most powerful collection of super psychopaths that any Earth has ever seen. Well, yeah, a few of them so far. Yeah. Watch the Avengers recruit some shocking new members. They're not really shocking. Yeah, I mean, we, like, uh, I mean yeah, shocking, you know. What? I mean, whatever. Right. Like, who would be shocking that showed up? I mean, it? what are they going to say? Like Predictable? The, They're not going to say The it. Scorpion joined the Avengers? Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's like, they brought back D-Man. I didn't right. see that coming. <laughs> And follow the Ghost Rider on a quest for vengeance across the multiverse that will spark an all-new era in Avengers history. That is also true. Plus, a bonus story featuring Thor by Christopher Rocchio, uh, who is a fantasy novelist, oh. and Steve McNiven. I had to look him up because I've never heard of him. Uh, so for all the claims made in that uh, solicit, only one of them is like a meh, kind of. Yeah. So good job. World War She-Hulk ends with the moment we've all been waiting for for what seems like an eternity the restoration of jennifer walters as the sensational she-hulk thank god the collection of scenes sets up the forthcoming rainbow rowell series very nicely but it's only a small part of what this mammoth sized issue has to offer subplots that aaron has had cooking on the back burner since the beginning of his run or even earlier get wrapped up and a whole host of new stories are established aaron even drags out the carcass of original sin and somehow rings one last great moment from it for his favorite punching like, bag. See you guys. It wasn't so bad. <laughs> you know, there's your unexpected. Uh, like if they should have had him join the team, that would have been unexpected. Yeah. The 80 page behemoth can seem more like a catalog for other tales rather than a story in itself, which is fair, but it all clicked for me. It's a series of huge swings, including one of the wildest Kazar developments since he picked a fist fight with Thanos in the 90s. And between the work of McGinnis, Steve McNiven, Javier Garon, Carlos Pacheco, and others, every page is gorgeous. J the, like, this is the anti- Fear or future state. Yeah, oh I God. love that we you put this. We put this right after the fear state review because this is a perfect example. Yeah. And you go ahead and finish, and then you know, okay, we can touch on that. Jason Aaron has been playing the long game with Avengers, and I haven't always loved what he's done. Uh, I, I, I again, it's a book that has got a lot of big ideas, but I also think a lot of those ideas tend to drag on. Like I am so sick of of like who's the phoenix now like yeah. we had a we had an, a we had a year-long avengers versus x-men epic that jason aaron was all also involved in plus the phoenix showed up in thor and like i'm tired i'm tired yeah. of it featuring everyone wearing xanadu phoenix costumes <laughs> yeah, like, yeah it's Whoa. just yeah and <laughs> wow like, so like, it, it was hit or it was hit or miss but avengers 50 gave me some much needed perspective about the run so far specifically the Avengers from 1 million BC, who I always thought were kind of lame, but this book made me see them in a different way. And it made me genuinely excited for what's to come. I'm giving this a buy it. I loved this comic. Yeah. And like I was saying, there's a way to exit a title. And while we said that like Tinian and his work on Batman, there were moments that were great and there were issues that were definitely great and everything looked great but when it was taken all together you were like what a mess of stuff oh my god yeah. and i'm yeah. not going to sit here and tell you that i loved every episode or every issue of aaron's avengers either because you and i we discussed like hey we really liked 
when the uh, Heroes Reborn thing that he did started. Yeah, I love the Dracula stuff. I love the stuff with the with the Vampire Nation. Yeah, Loved but it. It went a little too long. Yeah. The, the Phoenix stuff I didn't really care about. The Avengers of One Million BC, like here and there. But then I kept coming back to it, and I kept coming back to it. And I read this, and we were tweeting or tweeting. We were texting about it last night. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. Like when I put this down, I went, okay. Yeah. And like, you see how like, I see it's him like working, it's like, he's been building, it's like, he's been building a puzzle, but he's been doing it in chunks that are really far apart. Yes. Like this storyline is in the top right corner, but this storyline is like yes. in the bottom left, just kind of floating here. And, and now I like the puzzle is not complete because Aaron's not even leaving the book, but I feel like I see more of the picture. Now. Yes, absolutely. And he is able to not just like, that's one of the problems I had with Batman was like, it's just like tied up. It's gone. There we go. Boom. New status quo. Right. Yeah. No, no, like, I, this like, is like, I didn't understand anything about what, what was happening in Batman. There are things that like, I still don't totally get, but I have more clarity on and I feel right. a lot better about I'm giving this a huge buy it. It was just fun. And it was a great anniversary issue. And I love these giant overstuffed, bring in all the superstars I and too. draw a bunch of cool shit totally down this was great uh, my like one of my favorite parts and it's a very small thing especially uh if you read it digitally because you wouldn't uh you probably wouldn't notice um is that this book is uh it, it must be square bound or at least um it's gotta be right it's it's, so like, uh, it, it's not it's not it must be like glued or it's not yeah. just simply stapled they, yeah they ain't pushing staples through this thing it's got a spine it has a spine with the name on it it says avengers 750 That's down the middle cool and i was like you know what you guys you got me did it, they do like uh, prestige edition is that what they did i don't know i mean i read it digitally so i have no idea oh i hope so now i gotta go to the shop and see that's awesome i hope yeah, it's i don't know book. i don't know what this book looks like in real life I which is something that we're i'm you know that now that we've mentioned it i'm gonna touch on in a future review um, but like, I have no idea what this book looks like in physical space, but when I looked at the cover, they included the spine and I really got a kick out. I of hope it. it's a prestige book style that like, if you actually read it, it will fall apart. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Next up, we move into the nihilistic portion of the show for King of Spies. Number one from image. It's three ninety nine. Here's your creative team. It's written by Joe Patrick's favorite writer in the whole world, <laughs> Mark Miller, with art by Matteo Scalera. Here's your solicit. The world's greatest secret agent has six months to live. Does he die quietly in a hospital bed or does he make up for a lifetime of bad decisions? He's been propping up an unfair system for over 40 years. Now he knows where all the bodies are buried and he has nothing to lose when he turns his guns on everyone who ever made a buck creating the mess that we are in right now. If you've been reading Miller's image comics for a while, then by now, you know what to expect with his hyper-violent edgelord storytelling. He's doing the James Bond version of The Dark Knight Returns here. And while it started out looking like the book was going to be exactly what I expected, as the story took shape, I started to see Miller working. And by the end, I got to say, he really got me. Mateo Scalera 
deserves more than an Eisner for the art here. Something on a level of a gold medal might be more in order. I have loved his frenetic, insane, action-packed style for years, but here he is operating on an entirely new level. His opening action scene is nothing short of the hyper-violent edgelord stuff I mentioned, but he makes it look so damn good. That yeah, that like that like when that scene played out, uh, I was like, oh no. Yeah, <laughs> you will be willing to accept that a secret agent can fall off a building, through the roof of an ambulance, onto a pregnant woman, causing her to give birth. <laughs> of course. Like, I had to look again to make sure he didn't fall on the pregnant woman, and he didn't. <laughs> no. Um, but, like... Because otherwise it was like, it, it, it would have read like, oh, she's a whoopee cushion. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> of course, he blows up some bad guys with a pressurized gas tank after that. King of Spies has heart, too, which can't be said for a lot of Miller projects. It's, it's going to be messy, but I cannot wait to see Scalera draw this character making more corpses out of the real bad guys. The, the final few pages of this were so satisfying. And so wonderful and it kind of exactly the opposite of what you, Joe, hated about the end of Wanted. It's still very real world and it's very specific and it is very nihilistic, but we're getting this really good vengeance story out of it. I am giving this a massive buy it. This was fun. Yes, I had fun with it as well. And it reminded me of you. You. Um, uh, compared it to what did you compare it to? The James, the James Bond. Bond version of Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Um, to me, this is more like the James Bond version of Starlight, which is yeah, that too. Definitely another Miller project, which was about Fla uh, Flash Gordon analog. So, yeah, this uh, this is a book about aging and mortality, and um, you know the decisions you've made along the way, and it's not subtle. Like, don't be go looking for any life lessons. Not here. at all. Um, it might have some poignant moments, but overall, it is still very much a Miller comic. It's very juvenile. It's also the opposite um, of Starlight, though, where like the hero in Starlight was a really good guy. And now the he, hero in Starlight. Yes, exactly. Now he's right. just old. The hero in this like thought he's he was a, a really guy. good guy, but he right. was working for terrible people doing really bad shit. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, and and so, yeah, it, it's um, you know, it's it's kind of. um it's kind of 50 50 in that, in that sense where it's like, it's very much a Miller book um, and, and not surprising in, in the tone it takes, but it also, um, it leans more towards the brighter uh, side of his work that I like Definitely. than the yeah. more cynical side. Um, like, like, uh, wanted, wanted, yes, is the benchmark for, for, um, Mark Miller hates his fans, uh, for me. But, uh, as far as like stuff like this goes, um, where it's like, what if this character was this character? Uh, Nemesis is the one where it's like, what if Batman was the Joker right. or whatever? And he's like implanting bombs into the uteruses of politicians' children and right. then forcing them to have sex. It's like, ugh, stop. Um, and that said, so, I did like Nemesis. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't like Nemesis at all. Uh, but this I liked. Matteo Scalera is tremendous, of course. Uh, his his work on Black Science. Uh, you know, was a, a, a formative book for, for his career and he's even better here. Uh, I'm giving this a buy it. I, I did like it um, on the scale, on the Miller scale. Um, it's towards the top, not at the top, but definitely not at the bottom. That's a high praise. <laughs> glowing, <laughs> glowing review from Joe Badger. Speaking of glowing, good Lord. 
we're going to wrap things up with Wonder Woman Historia, book one, The Amazons from DC Black Label. It's $6.99. It's written by Kelly Sue DeConnick with art by Phil Jimenez. Here's your solicit. I don't know if you can call this art. This was something else. <laughs> it was uh, It was something else. Like, it looked like Philly Manis may have died while he did this. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, we'll get into it. The wait is over, and the entire story of the Amazons can finally be told. Millennia ago, Queen Hera and the goddesses of the Olympian pantheon grew greatly dissatisfied with their male counterparts, and far from their sight, they put a plan into action. A new society was born, one never before seen on Earth, capable of wondrous and terrible things. But their existence could not stay secret for long when a despairing woman named Hippolyta crossed the Amazon's path. A series of events was set in motion that would lead to an outright war in heaven and the creation of the Earth's greatest guardian. Legendary talents, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez unleash a reading experience the likes of which you have never seen True. With unbelievably sumptuous art. Let's never put that word in a solicit again, but true. (laughs) And a story that will haunt you. Um, yeah, maybe with subsequent issues featuring art by modern masters, Gene Ha and Nicola Scott. One of the most unforgettable DC tales of all time begins here. I I guess we'll see so much. And and I love Nicola Scott. I love. So I, I, I think it seems very clear that uh, we're going to be getting, um, eras right yeah and so book two will be by gene ha well, like different origins be, of things yeah I and guess. it'll be you know i don't i don't know when it'll be set but nicola scott i would wager is going to do a modern day stuff where yeah. wonder woman is actually around uh we'll get there though you'll hear a lot about this book in the days and weeks maybe even months and years to come wonder woman historia has been in the works since black label was first announced in i think 2018 i think that's right and it shows on every page. The story begins eons before the creation of Themyscira with a group of goddesses tired of the cruelties inflicted upon women at the hands of men. We're dealing with the Greek pantheon here, or the Olympian pantheon, as I probably should have called them, and King Douchebag Zeus. Uh, so naturally, their pleas fall on deaf ears. But these aren't the cloud-sitting, wine-swilling, flowing-robed goddesses that we might be used to. These are women of action who hatch a plot to rescue victimized souls from the depths of Hades itself. Years later, a midwife named Hippolyta finds herself another part of this epic legend to be continued. Kelly Sue DeConnick brings a righteous fury to the distinct voices of each of the goddesses as well as a casual and cruel indifference to those of the gods these beings are truly frighteningly otherworldly operating on a scale we can barely imagine. And then the book turns on a dime, bringing us back to earth for the part of the story that is heartbreakingly human, even though it's set thousands of years ago, it's a brilliant and compelling narrative seamlessly blended with meticulously detailed mythological history. Phil Jimenez delivers the best work of his career bringing everything to life with the help of intense uh, sumptuous color <laughs> by hi-fi Arif Prianto and Romulo Fayardo Jr. It is not hyperbole to say that this is probably one of the most beautifully drawn comic books I've ever read. However, that doesn't mean it's perfect. There were some panels where either the line art, the colors, or both were so complex or intense that I literally could not understand what I was looking at. 
And I don't know if that was the goal in those scenes. I like, think it, I, I think maybe it was. No, there's one. There's one scene in particular where there's one scene in particular where Hera and Athena are talking, and Athena is talking about how they have started the plan to create the Amazons, and. Hera reacts. She she shouts, I said no. And you see her words in big block white letters with a black silhouette over a red background. You there is no amount of staring you can do to that red silhouette uh to understand what that shape is. Like that's supposed to be something and you cannot tell what it is. Okay. Fair enough, but I don't know. I just sort of felt like No, I think the other like I do think because the coloring is different in the earth scenes. So I do think that the scene like the way that the gods themselves are illuminated. That's where I was going to go. Is definitely intentional. But sometimes it doesn't it doesn't always jive with the very, very intricate line art, Uh, at least for me. But again, that is a very small criticism and an otherwise stunning piece of art that doesn't seriously impact the flow of the story at all. After years of anticipation, Wonder Woman Historia is finally here. It absolutely lives up to the hype. Nearly flawless. Huge buy it. Yeah, this is an Eisner winner. No question. This is the best work of Philly Eminence's life. I mean, that's. I mean, they snuck it right in at the wire, too, at the end of the year. You know, December 1. But there's no argument here, and it's not hyperbole. Like, Philly Eminence, I hope he's okay. We haven't heard from him. (laughs) Like, he may have exploded while he did this. I really. This is stunning. This is absolutely stunning. And I agree there were some panels that were super wild, but I also kind of felt like they were going for this, like, your puny human mind isn't even supposed to see this stuff. I mean, you know? and I, I agree with you, but only to an extent. Uh, there's, there's, there is a line where, it, where they cross the line and then the art beca- becomes unrecognizable. It only happens a couple of times. Fair enough. I felt like when I started reading this, I was like, oh, crap. I need to go buy shrooms and then come home and read this. Cause this oh no, is, I, you no way I could nuts. not have read this without a clear mind. No. <laughs> I loved this, loved it. Now my problem with it is different and this is my fault and I will not allow you to yell at me for this because I'm admitting I'm this is on me. Okay. I get it. But why? Well, I bet it's, the, I bet we have the same. Why yeah. does it have to be black label? Why oh. can't this just be a Wonder Woman story? This is a perfectly good origin for the Amazons. Why does this have to be black label? There was like nothing adult in it. There was no extreme violence or cuss words or even nudity. Why is this black label? Why can't this just be a Wonder Woman story? Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop you. I'm not going to yell at you. Oh, I'm going to very calmly point out okay. that... The very early books in the Vertigo line were not Vertigo when they started. I agree. This is and so like a book is only black label until DC decides that it fits. Now I I would I would wager that the reason it's black label is because it does have some mature language and some nudity. Um, like Aphrodite is naked. You can you can see her showing you anything like graphic. It's like she's shaded. No, like you like there was one definitely naked. I I don't like and I don't mean to say that I was on the lookout for it, but there's one very intense close up shot of Aphrodite where it's like those are nipples. And and so like like it's there. 
It's not like, oh, it's the, it's the outline of Batman's dick, kind of. It's sure. like, no, those are her bare breasts. But you breasts. can also, like, shade that a little bit or whatever. It's not... But, uh, but they weren't, is my point. And, and you know, the, the script has the word shit in it several times. So, like, yeah, okay. They wanted to tell a mature story. They have a place for that. It's Black Label. If, the, if down the line they want to say that it's the real origin of the Amazons, fine. I hope they do. I, I kind of suspect that this will not jive with what we know to be continuity. I so, hope that they do because this we'll is see. masterful. This is beautiful. It I is love masterful. what they've done. And I guarantee, I guarantee it right here. And now this wins an Eisner. This is incredible. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, I thought you were going to complain that every, that the entire thing is told in landscape. No, I don't have you a problem have with to, that. Uh, if you, uh, oh, it, I, I was going to talk about this, uh, uh, because of Avengers. Um, Again, I read this digitally, so I don't know what this book looks like in physical space. But I do know that all Black Label books are, I think most of them anyway, are slightly oversized compared to a regular comic. Um, This comic is, every page is landscape, just like X-Force number three. Or Echo Lands. Like, we just reviewed Echo Lands not too long ago, and I love that. Yeah, you're right. It's true. It's just, but it's a thing to note. And, but like, it's obviously an artistic choice because- It's just a series of beautiful double page. Yeah. Uh, well, they're single page. They're, it's just widescreen artistic yeah. spread after spread after uh, spread. And it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievably gorgeous. Joey, we just tore the wrapping paper off eight comics. Which one of these nerdy presents was your favorite and will live on forever Rewrapped and bordered in the THN permanent collection. Uh, here we are again. I, like I've been thinking about it the entire episode. I swear to God, and I, I thought I knew what I was going to do, and now I'm second guessing myself. But you know what? Mm. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard for you. <laughs> because I can't decide. I know which book it should be, but my heart. Wants to say something else. So go with your heart, man. It's your. It's our. It's Hulk comic. number one. It's Hulk number one. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Because you know what my pick is my pick is Hulk number one. Because, okay. Like, we read all these big, important, amazing comics that are stunning, without question. But you know what I had the most fun with? You know what did Hulk. the job? You know what yes. landed it after the most important, biggest, best Hulk run ever written? Hulk number one by Donny Cates and friggin' Ryan Otley. It just landed it. It landed it and took off running again. And it's yep. great. <laughs> like, it wins. Yeah, I loved yeah, it. You're right. I mean, and I, I like, I also, I, I, I want to give a, a, like, again, a proper, proper props to Avengers, which turned my entire attitude about this also series great. around. Also great. Um, but and but you know what? Uh, enough people are going to be talking about Wonder Woman Historia. You don't need us exactly. to keep on. I just think uh, the situation yeah, like, that was left with Immortal Hulk, where we yes. were just like, what right. do you even How, do? Yes, yes. For as concerned, and I don't know if concerned, but curious right. as we both were uh, uh, about how Marvel could possibly follow that act. Yeah. They, it's, they nailed it. It's seamless. And it was, it almost seemed easy. If you want to know more about these comics, check out our show notes where you can find links for all the books we discussed. And if you want to read along with THN, you can find each episode's review list on our Twitter and Facebook weekly on Tuesdays. Also, 
Let us know what you thought about these comics or anything that you read this week on our live call-in show. It's THN Cover to Cover. It happens Saturdays on Facebook Live from 11 to noon Central Time. And we need to talk about this fear of future state shit. We need to talk about it, okay? I've got to work some things out. I mean, yeah. Hanukkah is here, and our Moloid slaves have decorated the THN Sanctum Sanctorum and prepared the menorah of Mr. Rasputin. Look it up. Joe, while I light today's candle, why don't you tell the nerds about your must-read pick for next week? Enemy of Doctor Strange. A different Rasputin. No, Mr. Rasputin, Enemy of Doctor Strange. Yes, I get it. Russian Rasputin. (laughs) I, I understand. Not the Rasputin I tend to think of when we're thinking about comics. Descendant. Of Rasputin. No, I think of Peter Rasputin from oh, the X-Men. No, 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 no. That's, that's just it. the last name. All right. Uh, my pick for next week is One Star Squadron, number one from DC Comics. It's written by Mark Russell with art by Steve Lieber. It's $3.99. And I just, I need to, I just need a comic I can feel good about reading without like having it change my entire world worldview. Like this week, it was just too much this week, too much. <laughs> and everything was 90 goddamn pages. Long. I know. I feel like we lost weight while we read these. I, this uh, week. <laughs> here's your solicit. Who you gonna call one star squadron meet DC's new superhero team where heroism meets capitalism. This ragtag group of heroes led by Red Tornado is here to provide service with a smile. All you must do is send a request via their on-demand hero app and they'll answer any call. Whether it's a children's birthday party or an alien invasion, no job is too small or too big. Brought to you by Eisner nominee Mark Russell. You might know him from the Flintstones, Wonder Twins, and Exit Stage Left, the Snaggle Plus Chronicles. Uh, and those are all DC properties, but also Billionaire Island from Ahoy. Uh, my bad from Ahoy. Dead Box from Ahoy. Yeah. The guy can't be stopped. He's great. And Eisner winner Steve Lieber from Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, the Superior Foes of Spider-Man, et cetera, et cetera. You'll want to invest early in this one-of-a-kind miniseries that promises a story filled with heart, heroism, and humor. <laughs> invest early. <laughs> I love that they committed to the bit. They committed to the yeah. bit. Uh, yeah, uh, the, we read about the, this book of a couple months ago and I was immediately thrilled yeah. and excited to read it. Um, I don't feel like I really need to explain why I just told you why. Yeah. Uh, I told you the names. That's why. Steve and, Lieber, uh, by the way, just the best. I love Steve Lieber. He's so good. Yeah. He's so good. And, uh, I'm yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. Matt, what's your pick? My pick for next week is way more serious and way heavier. It's Devil's Reign, number one from Marvel. It's $5.99. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto. It is Chip Zdarsky's first big Marvel crossover Hey, And I am so proud of him. Here's your solicit. The story that's been building for years is here. Wilson Fisk went from kingpin to mayor of the biggest city in America and is going to bring his full criminal and political power to bear on the superheroes who call New York City their home, just like what Rudy Giuliani wanted to do but couldn't accomplish. The man (laughs) who wants to destroy Daredevil has set his sights on the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man, Jessica Jones... Snuck that in there, huh? Luke Cage and more. And since it's Fisk, once he takes them all down, you know he's going to sign it. Crossbones, Taskmaster, Typhoid Mary, Shocker, Whiplash, Rhino, Craven. Fisk has an army 
of supervillains at his command. And this is just the opening salvo. For years, Fisk has waited for his time to strike, and you won't believe the aces he's got up his sleeves. Look, we have screamed about how much we have loved this Daredevil run literally since issue one. Go back, look at our review. But I am so excited to see Chip Zdarsky get to take a bigger jump and get a chance to write all these characters. And it's sort of the Marvel evolution. You get a book, you start kicking ass on it. Everybody loves it. It blows up. And then you get an event and we'll see how you do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I need to get caught up. I need to get caught up on Daredevil, uh, so Devil's good. Reign. Yeah, so good. I, 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 I fell off during the King and Black tie-in issues. I wasn't really digging that kind of diversion. Um, I, I'm sure it was brief. I even just that, to get I, even, back the, up. even the Venom part was good. I, I didn't like the one. I was just like, eh, whatever. Coward. Uh, and I, I would listen. Look, man, <laughs> I get behind on stuff. It happens. But I will get caught up for this uh, because I'm excited. I love Chip's Daredevil, and uh, I, I just I'm I'm so thrilled that he's kind of come up as this big name at Marvel. Take he does nothing a great away job. from Chichetto as well. That guy. Oh, went, I, I but I bet I've loved Marco Chichetto. For yeah, that ever, dude went from like he's he, really good on the Punisher to oh my god, this dude is outstandingly talented. Yes, right. The THN trade of the week goes to Beta Ray Bill colon Argent Star trade paperback. It's from Marvel. It's fifteen ninety nine. It's written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. Here is your solicit. The second most famous wielder of Mjolnir, Beta Ray Bill is tired of life in Thor's shadow, and with Bill's own mighty hammer, Stormbreaker, recently destroyed at the Thunder God's hands, Bill finds himself at a crossroads. The Corbinite must strike out in search of his destiny. Assuming he can first defeat a nullified Fin Fang Foom, Bill begins a hunt for Odin in hopes of resurrecting his golden weapon, but Stormbreaker is never coming back. Nonetheless, there is one place where Beta Ray Bill could restore his full powers. The All-Father of Nothing offers the Corbinite a path to immortality, but at a price not even a god can afford. Who will join Bill on a dangerous and deadly cosmic quest? Collects Beta Ray Bill one through five. That's a solicit. Wow. There you go. Beta Ray Bill from the very first issue. We were in love with it. Yeah. If you, we already love Beta Ray Bill. So it was a given. But if you have not heard us gush about the work of Daniel Warren Johnson of Wonder Woman Dead Earth of Murder Falcon, you guys are missing out. This guy is a superstar in the making. Definitely. And it's only a matter of time before they just give him something to run wild with long term. And I can't wait. He's so good. Yeah. I mean, spoiler for our best of show this is my best mini series of the year it's so goddamn good yeah, i mean it's great <laughs> it was it's... so damn good and right now i'm just like out of curiosity i'm just looking to see is there any of this beta ray bill original daniel warren johnson art available nope every single page is f-ing sold you ass of course <laughs> oh, i bet it's also very expensive god damn it oh such a great story though You can find our picks of the week every Wednesday on Twitter and Facebook as well, where you should also let us know what you're reading. Nobody ever does it. Please do. We want to know. Now it's time for a sneak peek at our monthly Patreon exclusive segment, the THN Take a Look. It's in a book club where we choose a graphic novel or trade paperback at the beginning of each month and invite some buddies to read along and discuss it with us. This month, the Eternals made the leap to the big screen, so it only seemed appropriate to read the first collection 
of the latest Eternals series from writer Kieran Gillen. Those poor bastards don't know what they're in for. Oh, boy. Welcome to another edition of THN Take a Look. It's in a book club. It's our own nerdy little sewing circle where we get together from some people that have been friends of the show for a long time, and we discuss a book. Before we get started, some listeners have pointed out that Joe and I are so self-centered, we never allow anyone to introduce themselves. So let's start in the top left, Mr. Jason Sachs. A brief introduction, please. Oh my, I have to talk about myself yeah, now? Just Hi, I'm Jason. Uh, <laughs> Jason We want your, your name, your social security number, your mother's maiden, yeah, and, just, your you know, most, and your most embarrassing moment, because it's like summer camp. Sure. Hey, I'm Jason Sachs. Mm-hmm. I uh, like comics. I've been reading them for a long time, and I wrote a few books about comics. The American com- Comic Book Chronicles, so easy to say, still available on Amazon.com and through Tomorrows.com. And over on our bottom right, sir, please introduce yourself. It's Brian Domingos. It's Brian Domingos. You know hey him. Now. <laughs> hey, now. Yeah, I, I, um, I used to write about comics, and um, then I had kids, and so I don't anymore. They so ruin just, everything, uh, right? They ruin everything. They take up more. You know what? They take up a lot of time. Yeah. So that's... Uh, I read when I can and I carve out uh, time to, to call in whenever I can because um, I love the show. Well, Thanks for having me We appreciate having hey. you jerks here with us. So the Eternals have made their big screen jump to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We decided. Yeah, they're, they're big to butt. It was time to check in on the Eternals in the comics with Eternals. Only Death is Eternal. Volume 1. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Asad Ribic. This is technically Eternals Volume 5. Wild, which I totally forgot. There was like a Neil Gaiman volume. volume that's three. like the most well-known one other than the Jack Kirby one. I totally forgot that one. And I went back and yeah. I was like, did I like this? And I think it was really boring. Quite honestly. Uh, I think retroactively people appreciate it a lot more than they did at the time. Okay. Like I, I, I'm seeing a lot of love online for it now that the movie is out and I would like to revisit it after reading this. Okay. I just um, remembered it. I, even, I have no memory, but I remember it being boring. I read I, it now, last I, summer. Oh really? It, it, it's okay. It's got decent JRJR art for one thing. Yes, okay. It's that makes it enjoyable. Nowhere near it. But the plot is really kind of predictable. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I, oh, sorry, Jason. Uh, the the Eternals have all lost their memory. Guess what happens? Uh, <laughs> sure. Right. Go yeah. figure. So uh, they're they're from a. Uh, I will say that for the third time uh, this week alone. Um, I was looking at thumbnails of the covers and I mistook issue one of this particular uh, volume of Eternals with issue one of uh, The Eternal by Chuck Austin. Oh, uh, which was, um, I guess, I guess technically this is volume six because that was Eternals. Uh, It's just that they called it something else. And uh, I was very angry about being reminded of it. (laughs) Fair enough. <laughs> the one before this was the Daniel and Charlie Knopf. And Daniel Acuna drew that. Yes. And I have right. zero memory of that. And I think I Same. read that too. I don't so. remember a damn thing about it. Okay. So let's get into it. This came out in September in trade paperback form, but this is a 2021 series. Here's your solicit. And you got to love it when it starts like this. Collects Eternals 2021, one through six. Never die. Never win. What's the point of an eternal battle? 
For millions of years, 100 Eternals have roamed the Earth, secret protectors of humanity. Without them, mankind would be smears between the teeth of the demon-like deviants. Their war has waged for all time, echoing in our myths and nightmares. But today, the Eternals face something new. Change! Can they? Dash? Or anyone on Earth? Dash? Survive the discovery? An Eternal has been murdered by one of their own, and this may not be the last such killing, but Cersei's number one suspect is... Athena? Question mark? Plus, Titans clash in a city driven mad as Icarus battles Thanos from the thought-provoking minds of Kieran Gillen, who's worked on Young Avengers, Uncanny X-Men. Of course, we only name his Marvel stuff because this is a Marvel solicit. And Asad Ribic, who's worked on Thor, God of Thunder, and Secret Wars, comes a new vision of the classic Marvel mythology. Now, before we get into it, Jason, I know you've probably read all the classic stuff. What are, where's our touchstones with Eternals? Cause I gotta say reading this, all I could like take from it was what I just saw in the movie. And I seem to have no memory of the comic stuff that I've read. It's Cause the comic stuff isn't all that good. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's the easy answer for it. We were just talking about the Neil Gaiman, which is a book with JRJR, which is probably the best. And it's not very memorable. Mm. If you want to hear the whole segment, head over to patreon.com slash two-headed-nerd and become a love slave for as little as a dollar a month. It is that simple, and we've been putting out that content, baby. (laughs) That is it for THN 645 and next week the cosmic long box will once again open and suck us into the time stream where we'll be forced to discuss classic comics based on a theme this time the omicron variant is upon us folks so our theme had to be Transformers crossovers because what is this show if not completely tasteless come on and also um, like Omicron is not a transformer it's- yeah no there is an Omicron transformer there absolutely is <laughs> that's the mm. thing alright alright now it's also dear Megan McCain it is also a Greek letter and if you're too dumb right. to understand that then maybe you should go back to college sweetie okay <laughs> that's all I'm saying <laughs> Also, they named the hurricanes alphabetically. Right. You also, know, it, it's the one Greek of those alphabet things. came before the Transformers. I just want to like make sure everybody understands that. Uh, yeah, and also English. Yeah. If you want to rap about this week's episode or any of the weekly nerdy news we're following, hit us up on our live call-in show. It's called THN Cover to Cover. We do it every Saturday at 11 Central Time, hosted on our Facebook page. And do not forget about the question of the week. Don't at me about the Greek alphabet thing if I'm wrong about it coming before English. Eng- the England's been around a long time. It I get definitely it. came before. Are you kidding me? The Greeks? The Greeks I like, look, the man, Romans. I know there's a... Yeah, I, I get there it. There was no English before. <laughs> no. <laughs> All of our language came from ancient Greece, Joe. <laughs> All right. Well, again, don't at me about this either. Wow. <laughs> this week... <laughs> Not a student of history, Joe Patrick. No, I wasn't. I read comics instead. I thought we knew this. What, did you go to public school? Come on. Yeah, I went to public school. Uh, This week's question was submitted by Guillerme Rodriguez via the THN Facebook fan group. Quote, so I randomly found Kristar number eight. 
which you may or may not know is the issue that Danzig swiped his logo from. It's right there on the cover. Yep. The scariest uh, one of, book ever written. That's why Danzig yes. <laughs> picked it. <laughs> uh, he found it in one of my in one of my long boxes. I don't ever remember buying it, but I am a huge Danzig fan, so I'm very happy. Anyone ever found, has anyone ever found a gem in your collection that you don't remember getting and then felt like you struck gold all over again? Fun. Super fun. And I went and dug through some stuff because I was like, I don't even know. And then at, like, it took no time. I opened yeah. one box. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, please do keep your question of the week suggestions coming. Uh, we appreciate them and we don't, you know, we can't always be bothered to come up with our own ideas. Sure. You can call us at 402-819-4894 or join us on Zoom by clicking on the link in our Facebook Live video chat. And if you can't be there live, shoot an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com or leave a message on the hotline and you could be internet famous. Remember, though, if you're going to send in an MP3 or leave a voicemail, please try to keep it to two minutes or less so that we can share the air with the live listeners. If you're new to the show and you wish a whole civilization of Amazons would line up to kick us in the crotch rather than let us podcast anymore, I assure you it's only because you have not heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box over at twitternerd.com. THN is a listener-supported podcast. It would not be possible without the generosity of donors like our newest patron, Ralph Belk III, making Ralph Beck number two and number one look good by continuing to sponsor this show. His father and grandfather were also longtime listeners. It's and true. God uh, bless them. <laughs> but in, in, a, in accordance with in accordance with traditional THN naming convention, uh, you will now be known as henceforth be known as Ralph Belk the Three. Yes. If sorry, Ralph. That, no, there's no sorry about it. You just. Earned I'm just it. saying. I don't want you to know what you're getting into. We don't understand how this works, so <laughs> that's what you get. If you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. You just go to Patreon dot com backslash two-headed nerd sign up to be a patron where you'll hear all kinds of exclusive content or you can just freak out make a one-time donation of five thousand dollars via our paypal donation button. that would be great because you're just like crazy like that and you're like, like i would idiots. really appreciate they it they work so hard for nothing you know like they had lives. like the holidays are here guys they I mean, had dreams they thought they were gonna be something and this is where they ended up and if my gift of $5,000 gets them to kill themselves so they don't have to suffer anymore. Joe doesn't understand the origin of language. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was sad. That was exposing. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to writers Jerry Conway and the aforementioned Kelly DeSue uh, both of whom stepped in to offer their first-handed knowledge about Carol Danvers during a Twitter discussion we were having with our pal Chris earlier this week. Because uh, where do you both? We got famous friends, you know, not bragging or nothing. I mean, I did tag them directly on Twitter. <laughs> it wasn't hard. Uh, where do you both? And thank you for all the work you've done to develop one of our favorite characters. Jerry's been texting me this whole time. Like, Jerry, I'm trying to record a show, man. I'll get back to you, all right? <laughs> Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might blow you off via text. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Didn't uh, didn't Jerry Conway buy one of your grills? Jerry Conway bo bought both my grills, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what he's texting me about right now, because the gas one, not in the shape that I advertised it. So, yeah. <laughs> you're a real, <laughs> real shyster, you know that? <laughs>